a podcast one production. Hello. We should do more ASMR things. Yeah, like, you know where they agree. just eat stuff? Like, isn't ASMR like this? Like, it's like this. And, like, describing stuff. I slowly unbottle the sparkling water. I don't know if unbottle is the correct word. I'd say take the lid off. Open but the dumb one. Leave me alone. And, like, you do things like... Sip the water. <sighs> that grossed me out. I watched that one with that woman. She's always eating seafood. And she likes dipping it in the chili yeah, sauce. But that's not ASMR. That's just some like no. That is ASMR. The noises that she makes is part of the ASMR like realm. But I'm like, bitch, where'd you get a crab that big? That's not fair. This is radical fashionism with Christian and Andy, and we're doing a podcast because what we're wearing is too good for you to look at. Would you say you have any sexual fetishes? Oh yes, this is disgusting. Not now. Well, that means, well, you can't have now. You can't have had a fetish and then it gone. That's not, well, that's then not no, a then. fetish. So you're just straight up vanilla. Oh, I won't tell a story, but I'll just tell a fun fact. Once was in a sleeper sack. You can Google that at home. That's scary. That I even that worried me. The sleeper sack, for those of you... No, nah, I say leave it. Yeah, Make okay. them Google. Look it up. Do some homework. No more to that story. Um, Let's buy me a drink first. <laughs> Recently, I um, trampled on a person wearing Comme de Garçons sneakers, which you Mine. Know, which was which really brought my love of uh, degrading people no, that, and fashion together. That wasn't even the worst part. You also trampled on him with like spiky sport shoes, whatever the football people wear. Football cleats. Yeah. Christian wasn't a go outside and play sport kid. He was a sit inside and read a book kid. I mean, obviously, a big part of the human condition is sex. It's a huge part of us as a species, right? And I guess a very, uh, the mirror of that, the mirror of the human condition, in my opinion, is things like fashion and art. So it's not surprising how intrinsically woven fetishism is in fashion. I mean, well, we there's just definitely come... an increased acceptance of sexuality in this day and age, both in terms of like LGBT rights, but also like women's rights. So you do see that link to fetish wear. Randomly in the Givenchy Couture collection, there was a gown laid over the top of a red latex shirt. That's that the collection did not reference fetish wear. The the collection was not overly sexual. It was designed by a woman. Like it was just one look. Latex was not a fabric used in the collection very often, but in one look, latex was used. Latex obviously is, I guess, in uh, in aesthetic apparel, is primarily used in fetish wear. Like. That is that was its purpose. Like besides, outside of the fact of like protective gear, raincoats, blah blah blah, which I'll talk about to you about later when we do a little bit of history. Latex lives exclusively in the sexual realm, but here it is, just popping up in a Givenchy collection randomly. One look, there it is, boom. That's that's how you're wearing this gown. I find it really interesting with fetish wear that it was sort of you know initially when you think of these bondage items, latex, these very tight things, they're very restrictive. But now wearing them in fashion, it's become a symbol of liberation. It's completely like done a 180 of its meaning to wear these items. Absolutely. And I think another really interesting facet of how we can attach these sexual connotations to these items is when you take, let's say, a woman's bra, which serves a purpose, you know, keeps them from hitting the floor, 
and then you put that on a man and all of a sudden you have attached all these other sexual connotations to it. And that bra, which could just be like a normal bra, all of a sudden you have fetishized it. You've, you've hypersexualized it just yep. simply by changing its gender. And I think that is kind of where we sit now where, with these garments. They really are just objects. They're just objects and it's us who are attaching the sexualities to them and the responses, you know. And it makes me think you could, if you have a rubber fetish, and I've always wondered this, if you have like a, a really big rubber fetish, like if I was just walking down the street in a raincoat and it like brushed you, would it like send a jolt straight to the groin? Or is it only in a sexual like environment that you're turned on by it? I also find it interesting to think of the idea that some people it's wearing the item themselves, some people it's engaging with someone wearing the item, yeah. and some people it just is the item. Yeah, the item Which itself. is the fetish. Well, I guess the, the fetishes that roll into fashion the most are the ones that are apparel-based. Like, obviously, flogging is hard to... Or, but so I guess anything that's apparel based or jewelry and accessories, like a Cartier have done handcuffs. Yeah. Like those Tom Ford for Gucci handcuffs. Even yeah. looking back, I think it was nineteen ninety two or something, the Versace did the Miss S and M collection with all the belts and all the sort of corsets and stuff. Phenom. I Love. mean, Versace have an empire based on yeah. fetish wear. Even like even their home collections, their silks, their 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 ruffles. I think it's very easy to get bogged down in the in the obvious oh leather belt, leather strap, latex top, gimp mask. But fetishes like rivers run deep. Uh, one of the river deep fetish high. I would have gone fetish foul, but okay. Like one of the greatest like erotic fetish novels, Venus in Furs, is about fur. And I think you know if you start to really stand back and look at collections particularly luxury collections, expensive collections, there's something erotic about all of them. Even if it's the endorphins you get just from buying them, there is something that stirs in my pants when I put on a nice pair of Comme des Garçons shoes. Maybe that's my fetish. Yeah. I would love to see pornographic magazines do more like fashion spreads in them. I know Butt Magazine used to, which was great, but I would like... Obviously, fashion has really embraced the fetish community. Has the fetish community really embraced fashion? I was reading a story from his old manager, but apparently um, in order to try and get Helmut Newton to try and do photo shoots for French Vogue, the French Vogue editors used to run around like Paris to all of the different um, leather and sex stores and buy accessories to try and interest him into photographing the couture collections. Really? And that's one of the few ways that they'd actually get him to do it. They'd say, sure, you can shoot this Versace dress, but we also have all of these handcuffs, all of these leather wear that you can style with it. Mm, I would love to have lunch with Helmut Newton in a helmet. <laughs> Last night I had dinner with Helmut Lang, Helmut Newton, and a, a helmet. Poodles. If you don't have legs, you can't wear high heels. And if you don't have a brain, here's a history segment. Watch closely. Welcome to the radical fashionism school of fashion for the gifted. And the not so gifted. I love it. Do you want to learn something? Sure. Redlands never did anything for you, so I may as well pick up the slime. I loved my school. Yeah, that's because you got to fucking do your assignments in interpretive dance. Yep. Damn straight. Made a dress, year 12, done. Even now, like Richard, like we'll be standing in the kitchen and Richard will be like, you know, Christian was top of his class for textiles. When he was 17, okay? Like I'm sure that some people have pipped him at the post now, okay? Poochie's not knocking on the door, Richard. But also like, what does that mean even if it was yesterday? Like, <laughs> no. huh? 
He's always like, can't you get him a job? He was the head of his class in Texas. Like, he made a potholder. Like, like, let's come. Give me the button that's fallen off your shirt and I'll fix it. Sold. Kachura. Fetishes have always been a huge influence on the fashion community, both in, like, practical and in visual. So, you know... You can see it in the collections. You can see it in Jeremy Scott's 2018 collection. You can see it in the Givenchy collection that I mentioned. But also in a more kind of direct visual way, we look at it in like Bottega Veneta's collaboration with the photographic artist Nobu Yoshi, uh, which was just women in bondage next to their bags. So there is like it has existed in in both very submissive forms and very obvious forms. Yeah. And to chronicle, like, fashion and fetishes, like, I would be a masochist myself. It would take too long. So what I have done is I have kind of gotten you a timeline of latex and latex in fashion because I think that it as a material is what is, like, crossed over to high fashion the easiest. And it's definitely one of the most sort of obvious Well, it's definitely having of... a renaissance right now. I yeah. think in the mainstream, it's it's very, it's very, it's a, it's a fabric that we use. Like, we swatch it, we put it on the on the board, we use it in the collections. And I think... For me, I visually saw that trend begin in 2015 when Mark by Mark Jacobs was still around. Um, I don't know who the design team for so was. he didn't there. do that? No, he didn't do Mark by Mark. I don't even think they were like designers. It was probably just done in-house. Anyway, they did latex in their spring collection, which is, it's not a spring fabric, trust me. Uh, they did like polka dot yeah, skirts. Yeah, that's got thrush written all over yeah, it. Yeah, that is, you are bacon bread. They did like polka dot skirts, uh, like bandeau tops and like flesh-toned sleeves, which were very kind of- Yeah, that's weird. I'm into that. skinny. Helmet. That same year, you had the Belgian designer Christian Wingnuts. I don't know if I've said that probably. I think it's actually pronounced Wong Nuts. I, I hope it to be Wong Nuts. Deez Nuts? Deez Nuts. Deez Nuts. Uh, he used like the trans, he used like a translucent latex to make like loose fitting vests over his clothes, which were was stra- like the idea of layering it over other fabrics. Um, and then, of course, kind of rounding, really getting it to the top of the mountain was Kim Kardashian wore two latex looks here in Australia. Yeah. I met her that night. Did you? I did. Did you tie her up, put her in a bathtub, steal her jewels? Oh. (laughs) We shouldn't joke. She's a mother. Yeah, too soon. Latex is like a fetish wear, isn't you? It's about 200 years old. Wow. It was invented by a Scottish chemist, someone Macintosh, Charles Macintosh. Cameron. Cameron Macintosh, he developed the fabric to be manufactured to make waterproof Macintosh coats, which still exists. The coats stank and they melted. Yeah, that's exactly what you want from a coat, though, so that's good. Yeah, great. That's t- tick and tick. Perfect. Straight to the market. The Macintosh coats did kind of find their way very quickly into the fetish world and started England's oldest fetish community, England's Macintosh Society. Round of applause for pioneers. So it was just a coat. It was just a coat. But this is the power of the material. Like the material has, uh, it's kind of beyond sexiness. Like it's, it's, it's. It's the object itself that has become the yeah, symbol well, of sex. Yeah, it can be. It's kind of like, it's the object because it is made out of it becomes hypersexualized. It's, it's the thrill of the garment. It's the thrill of wearing the garment. And sometimes it's just the thrill of being 
with somebody in the garment. Um, it doesn't really matter who. It is the object. It's the stiletto boot. It's the it's the the laces. It's all of that shit. That's a really great metaphor for fashion in general, though. You know, like it's that Celine bag. That's what the fetish is. It it's has the, power. It it's has the Louboutin heel. It has emphasis. It 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 means something. It's directional. The timeline then obviously brings us to World War Two where you're talking about rubber apparel as like a protective service. Like we're talking gloves, we're talking gas masks. Uh, These images are being fed to London of these officers in these rubberized latex items. Like military fetishes already exist. It's already a thing. Even in the mainstream, marrying a soldier, my husband's away at war. So then you start feeding people these pictures of them in these items immediately they're sexualized like yeah. so you you you're kind of you start to meld and you see it now in the fetish community that latex officer apparel aesthetic in the 1960s you see television shows like the avengers put cat suited emma peel on there with like shiny super high go-go boots Duh. and this totally opened what the- else do you fa- barely see in? well what else do you pow yeah boom and I mean, this kind of opens doors for the punk designers, Gautier, Vivian Westwood, Malcolm McLean, to just go fucking ham for leather with latex and leather. At the moment, we're very Euro-based, but if I throw you across to America, 85, Diane Brill, Warhol Muse, if you don't know her, you're a garbage person. She's also a fashion designer and she was queen of the New York nightlife. Put down the phone, Google her if you don't know who she is. Stepped out in rubber all the time it was her look. Actually... In the TV series Pose, also watch it. It's a Ryan Murphy one, but it's okay. There's a ball and it's like the weirdo ball or the kooky ball and there's a girl in a full rubber gimp suit with a ponytail. Now, most people have been saying they're referencing Amanda Laporte. They're not. They're referencing Diane Brill. So she used to wear a full gimp suit, cover her face. It was crazy. It was very like Lee Bowery. Yeah, wow. Anyway, there's a great quote out of a book called The Official Preppy Handbook, which is really funny and I read when I was in high school and I wish I could find it and read it again. And they quoted her as saying, she looked like the Venus rising from the primeval slime, which is a very like visual graphic depiction of what latex looks like. Ten years later, a little writer called Candace Bushnell, she uh, pulled a series of latex outfits in the name of Fashion for Vogue. I don't know if you recall a small TV series called Sex in the City. but No, I don't know. Yeah, no, unfamiliar. Yeah, she developed that uh, later after that. Modern times, you got Gaga wearing latex to meet the Queen. That red look was everything. I'm sure the Queen wore latex to meet Prince Philip. I guess American kind of godfather of refined upper New York style Oscar de la Renta threw a spanner yeah. in the works and he did a red latex top and pencil skirt in his 2012 collection. If there was a designer that you no, thought No, not 2012 collection. That's a lie. It was like 20... It was one of his last ones before he died. Incorrect, yeah. If there was one designer that you thought would never use latex, I would have said Oscar. Yeah, no. Yeah, full look too. And I mean, it just... I guess it does round up that sex, it's such a big part of the human condition. Yeah. And there's nothing more human and varied than it. It also, uh, it delivers such like a primal response in all of us seeing something that is sort of hypersexualized in a non-hypersexualized environment. Exactly. And I think latex now is just a fabric. It's a fabric that we've attached these connotations to the same way that we've attached connotations of luxury to fabrics like silk and linen. And it's a fabric that now has this meaning, which we need to continue the conversation with. Like it is as important as fur or, well, that's controversial, as lace in that if you want to have a conversation about sex, you reach for latex. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. 
Violet Chachki. Hello. Hi, how are you guys? We're good. Thank you for letting us pop your little podcast cherry. Do you find it hard to shake the stigma of the RuPaul's Drag Race off you? Is that, can I say, is that bad to name and name no, it? No, not at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely gave me my head start um, and I'm super grateful for Drag Race and it's amazing and it's like such a necessary thing and it helps so many people. Like I get so many fan mails of people being like, just, it's giving them strength. Or there's so many people that you don't even think about who are like in the middle of nowhere who have nothing and this is like an outlet for them. Um, so it's super, super empo- important and powerful. But it also has like, as far as drag is concerned, I feel like drag has gotten a little bit less cool. Like when I started drag, it was like so cool and so exciting and everyone was different. And everyone had their own character. And now it's just like everyone's death dropping and doing reveals and all kind of looks the right. same. Yeah, it's not for gay people anymore. It's for straight, it's straight people. people. Yeah. Christian and I aren't super fans. We watch episodes. Uh, if I recall, you stopped me on the street and asked me for a photo. Uh, that is not what happened. Shall I actually say what happened? Because I <laughs> that remember. That is how we met. You nah, stopped 100%. me. I, no, no, Detox stopped me. I didn't I ask did, you for you a photo. You stopped me. I'll tell my I'm, version I'm first. the little wrestling bitch with her little bikini being like, round one. I want both of your versions of events. Okay, so I remember walking down Crown Street behind. I'm glad that we all stopped for Christian to lead us in with that, <laughs> with that great bell ring. Uh, past Oasis, the homeless shelter. And I walked past you and somebody that you were with. There was two of you. My assistant. <laughs> Bougie. Kevin, I love you, miss you. We walked past. There was some kind of exchange. And then I turned around and I was like, aren't you on television? And you were like, yeah, I am. I do really well, actually. (laughs) I do really well. I do really well on the show. Well, I was right. I do really well. Um, And then that was it. You asked me for a photo after that. No, you asked for my number and then you put your number in my phone and I was like, how will I know it's yours? And we were like, let's take a photo. And that's why the world's worst photo exists. Now I want your version of events. First day in Australia ever. I'm like exploring with my assistant, Kevin. Exploring Crown Street. Exploring body life. Walking around, yeah. exploring <laughs> Bodyline. That's what he was exploring. I was working. I had a job that night. Just because so they pay you, go to Bodyline. <laughs> yeah. I was walking around and I see some kids skateboard past me, and I'm like, "Oh, he's kind of cute." So I like look, and I'm like, "Oh, he's probably straight because he's skateboarding." And then so I just like carry on, and then the skateboarder like swoops back around and stops in front of me and is like, "Aren't aren't you are you Violet?" And I'm like. Yeah. There is no way that I said, Are you Violet? Still off. Are you are you Violet? I'm like, sounds like yeah. me. Yeah. And then you asked me to take a picture. A picture. What's that? Now you are an artist. Would you do you like to go under the banner of drag artist? Um it depends. I don't know. That's like a loaded question. I have mm. like <laughs> so many opinions about the pros and cons of the modern drag world. Okay, so when did you start making art then? Um, when I was like a baby. Oh, such bullshit. <laughs> no, I mean like... Oh, I'm my all... finger paintings don't count. Yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> I breathe and therefore my breath is art. My Ooh. mom was always really like, oh yeah, you're going to be an artist when you grow up. Like I was always doodling and I would like go now to you're like... tucking your doodle. Art camps and like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Doodle. See, I'm getting the lingo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. like, doodle... <laughs> But you have a very specific aesthetic when it comes to the sort of art that you create. When did you first kind of delve into that world? Yeah, what came first? Fetish, fashion or drag? Um, I think 
fashion came first. Well, I'd hope it wasn't fetish. No. <laughs> if we started when we were a baby. Yeah. I mean, I've always had a fascination with like bustiers and corsets, even before like it, sexuality became a thing. Could you describe your aesthetic? I'm like if Betty Page and Lady Miss Kier and Dita Von Teese and like Vampira and I'm trying to think of like someone who's not God. Pop and fresh. No. <laughs> and like Kylie Minogue had a baby. That rounded off so perfectly. Because it rounded off with Kylie Minogue. Yeah, duh. Your last name, Chachki, comes from a Yiddish word meaning decorative object, right? Yes. Yeah, like I, I love that that's even like sort of... objectified and like yeah. become like, yeah, an object and something that's strictly visual and there's dusty. like a whole... Dusty, yeah. I actually, I collect tchotchkes too, so it's like a whole encompassing thing. Uh, you walked in the Moschino show, which was incredibly fetish-based. Yeah, I think that's why Jeremy asked me to walk in it. And that, obviously, his work at Moschino, although it does nod to sex quite a lot, it like it's very camp, and each collection doesn't kind of reference itself. It it, it, it doesn't have an evolution. It's a, it's a strong pop culture idea fleshed out in that moment, and that was kind of his ode to the to the fetish. Do you think he did a good job? I think he did do a good job. I mean, he had the casting was amazing, obviously, but there was there were other really like transgressive people that were cast as well. I got to walk with also Grace, who's this non-binary model, and they're fucking beautiful. And so it was just like a really, and we got to close the show together in this like um, conjoined, tandem, yeah, yeah, tuxedo jacket thing. And I love conjoined twins. That's some now. That's a fetish. I always watch Brittany and Abby. Do you watch Brittany and Abby? No. Brittany and Abby, are these two-headed girls from America. One wanted to be a country singer, oh, and one wanted to be a teacher, them. and now they do porn. Is that TLC? Oh, they do porn. Yeah, that was a TLC show. It was, but now they do porn. Is your sexuality very similar to Violet's? Um, I think that. Violet is really dominant, whereas me and my, I don't know, it's hard to say. I'm a Gemini, so I'm like, have, it's like a lot about duality and balance. And I think I'm like super dominant and also submissive. And like Violet as a career is like a really dominant thing. And then, so I take the backseat in that case. It's like, it flip flops all the time. Sex in drag. Absolutely. Not, Re- not currently, not recently. Okay. I would, again. Like, I remember I was, out. Which to Christian is the best he's probably ever felt. No, I mean, it's a good feeling temporarily, but when the lights come on and you're like, oh my God, please get out. Like, I literally was hiding, being like, get out, like, leave. I was making, I was with a guy, I was at a bar after a show, and I had a, I remember I had like a red or like fuchsia glitter lip on. And he like spotted me, beeline for me. We started making out in the bathroom, and there's just glitter everywhere, just like all over me, all over him. And there's no way that we can both go back to the bar, just like pretending like nothing had happened. Like my makeup is ruined. There's glitter everywhere. So I had to like duck and cover and like grab him and we ran out the back of this bar. All my friends saw me and immediately clocked. And then we went back to my place and it just like, once the eyebrows come off, like once the illusion is ruined, it's like- <laughs> The veil. The, the veil. veil is, it's a thin veil. Like it's, so if I did it again, I would have to get like, I'd have to know that going into it and like get the right wig and not block my brow and like st- stain the lips. Like there's like specific yeah. techniques for having sex in drag that I think you need to think about. And to bounce on from that, so Violet is obviously hypersexual. Do you find that you get hypersexualized because of it? Like if you ever just want to lay back and think of England, is that fine? Or do, are you always expected to be in like a full latex with a horse bit, like hitting me in the face? I mean, I think I've become desensitized to it. Like, I forget that my image, it like, to me, it's just an outfit. You know what I mean? It's, like, not... 
it's like a lot more of an aesthetic than less of like a an action or like a lifestyle. And so people, when people think of me as some like crazy sexual thing, I'm mm. like, oh, like, okay, I guess I'm like projecting this image. So I kind of forget I'm desensitized from it. To me, it's just like, I'm really interested in like extreme extreme imagery. What draws me to fashion and what draws me to drag is like strong women, strong female energy. And I think what personifies that for me is like Terry Mugler. I think that is like the most exciting fashion's ever been for me. And I think that really is like, it's not even necessarily fetish, traditionally fetish materials. It's just like tailoring. Like even thinking of tailoring as fetish or like corsetry or like fetishizing the details of a garment or fetishizing the way the body can look in a garment. I think that's what really draws me to it. Uh, and it's just like about extremes for me. It's about extreme proportions and extreme silhouettes and extreme kind of body modification through clothing and through the, a way of dress. And I think that's what's exciting for me about it. Do you have any fetishes? Um, I have lots of fetishes. I have like an underwear fetish. I have like a shoe fetish. Underwear fetish, like, is it like hyper-masculine like no. things or is it super feminine Hyper things? Hyper-feminine things. Right. I can have a fetish for like men wearing women's clothing. Like just like not even necessarily drag, but just like I think kind of men that can, and not even like in a... Jaden Smith sort of like, oh, I'm wearing a dress way either. I don't know. I just have a, I think feminizing the the man is like a hot, sexy. It's a sexy yeah. thing. I think that's a sexy thing. I think that fashion is like a fetish and sexuality in that it is directional, hyper-stylized. Absolutely. But I, it's not, I'm not specific. Like one day it will be Rick Owens. The next day it might be Gucci. I'm buying You're objects. just a label whore. I'm buying objects that are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually sitting here with two just whores, so I'm not going to be spoken to like that. Violet Chachki, thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I'm we're a gonna huge go and, fan. We're going to go and watch some bad drag now. Priscilla drag. We can't give you that, but we can give you really Boogers. bad <laughs> Yeah. I'll put on some lipstick Booger and drag. do Janet Jackson. You can't put on lipstick. You don't have lips. True. Damn. Cut, print, Emmy. Don't call him today. I don't want you to call him today. It just lets you down. I need to call him every 20 minutes. You know that his ball's deep in a vodka and soda right now. Oh, yeah. You cannot call him. Don't bother him. He's busy. Hi, thanks for calling. Leave a message and I'll get right back to you. Bye. Hi, Daddy. Um, It's me and Shamanas. I told you he wouldn't answer. I was sorry to bother you, Richard. I know you're busy. He's not busy. He just loves leaving voicemails mm-hmm. because he leaves me so many voicemails mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand that people don't listen to his voicemails he doesn't because leave he listens voicemails. to voicemails. He yes, he does. He leaves dials, me voicemails. Yeah, he pocket all the, dials. He, a lot of the voicemails he leaves me he are dials, pocket yeah. dials. <laughs> but there's still a voicemail. Um, So we just finished an ep of our show. We'd had Violet Charchkey on. You would have heard me talk about her, although you have an awful memory, so you probably don't remember. She's the drag queen, Richard, the drag queen. And we're talking about fetishes, and we wanted to know if you have any. Let me know. Call me back. Love you. Bye. Radical Fashionism was presented by Christian Wilkins and Andy Kelly, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au. Download the Podcast One app or search Radical Fashionism on Apple Podcasts. Just so proud of them.